Time for Mary Holmes' regular slot, and uh, the RNZ podcast team has launched a new wellness podcast you'll find online. It's called The Pursuit of Wellness, and it's a five-part series looking at all the aspects of the concept of wellness. And in the second episode, they challenged you, financial journalist and author Mary Holm, (laughs) to talk about economic well-being or economic wellness. Yeah, hi, Jessie. Did this take some, some nutting out? Yeah, look at, yes, I mean, in some ways you think they haven't got much to do with one another, how well off you are and how healthy you are, especially in this country, actually, I I got thinking about it. I mean, there are certainly many countries in the world where people who, you need to have a fair bit of money in order to to be healthy, you know, because medical services cost a lot of money, etc., um, and just have enough money to have a decent housing and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting in New Zealand the way these days there's quite a lot of talk about how good the housing is and whether that affects your health. You know, it's something that when I was a kid... How, how good it isn't, rather. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah um, when I was a kid, you know, a cold house was... OK, it was cold, that wasn't very nice, you put another jersey on, but no-one talked about how that affected mm-hmm. children's health in particular. But the, but these days... so So in New Zealand... It doesn't feel to me as though wealth and health are all that closely linked, you know. Um, yeah, but I, think, I think that's... Um, some people would probably object to that, wouldn't they? Yeah, look... Maybe, sure, maybe in yeah. comparison to other developed countries? Yes, yeah. that's, that's more what I'm thinking. Look, I, there clearly is a correlation between wealth and health in New Zealand as well, but it, compared with, say, America, where I lived for, for um, quite a few years... There, there's definitely more more likely that that the wealthier people have got better health yeah. because of the, because we've got a decent state health system. Yeah, basically. True. But and, yes, you um, think about living in a country where you you don't get treatment for whatever happens to um, affect yes. your health unless you have enough money to pay for it. That would be yeah, quite different. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, and and in New Zealand. This is probably a bit controversial too, but you can buy healthy food. It's not terribly expensive. I know some people say, well, fruit and veggies are expensive. But if you get buy what's in season, there's always some some stuff. Every, yeah. all the way we through could do the a whole something. session on this, couldn't yeah, we? we? But, could. but I suppose others would yeah. say, you know, depending on where you live in New Zealand, you might not have the same access to this unhealthy food environments. But it's a very yeah. interesting topic. It is. It and is. again, it's, comparatively. But yes, so it's all comparative. It's very thought-provoking. Mm. Uh, the, the, um, the sort of first challenge that, that the people who assigned the story to me gave me was was to kind of define economic wellness Um and I sort of thought about that for a few days, actually. And I decided that it was to have enough money to cover all the necessities, plus some money for some fun, mm-hmm. you know. And um, But you don't need a huge amount for that, but you do need to have some joys in your life. Because life isn't um, just staying alive. That's right. It doesn't yeah. just, just um, housing be. and food and, and mm. all that. And, and what's more, um, knowing you can continue that on in, you know, that you're in a comfortable enough position that you're not thinking, okay, I've got enough money at the moment for necessities and some fun, but, you know, what's going to happen if I lose my job or if the house burns down or if whatever? And and so I think it's really important for people to um, get themselves in a position where they're 
probably not going to get hit too hard by bad things happening to them in future. Mm. And just running quickly through that, the the ways to do that are, first of all, to spend less than you earn, mm. um, so you're not running up debt, uh, which is obviously stressful. Such and, a simple thing, but how many yeah. people spend less than they earn these days? Well, yeah, I, I think COVID might have taught a few people made a few people kind of think about all mm. of that more actually I'm hoping so and then, then you want to have enough insurance um, so you really do want to be covering the big bad stuff not necessarily every last little risk but but the house burning down and, and the car being written off and, and those sort of things and uh, life insurance um, you might not care if you <laughs> if you're dead but um, it's family, it's, family yes, wellness, really, fam- isn't it? Yes, it is. It's absolutely family wellness. The rainy day fund thing, which we've talked about many times before, um, so I won't go into that hugely now, but you want some money in, in either perhaps a one-month term deposit so that you can get that within a month and put money on a credit, put, put expenses on a credit card in the meantime or put it against your mortgage. Um if you've got a mortgage, you can quite often go to the mortgage lender and say, if I pay it off faster than necessary, can I get access back to that extra money if I need it? And often they'll say yes, and so that works well. I was thinking about the whole rainy day fund thing the other day, mm. though, and, and it reminded me of something that happened when I was living in Chicago years ago. We were living near the University of Chicago, and it was surrounded by ghetto, and so there was a lot of crime a lot of crime went on in the streets. People got held up all the time. And an economics professor that we knew, he had a $100 bill which he just put in his pocket. And whenever he was walking around the neighbourhood, he had 100 bucks in his pocket so that if he was, was held up, he could just hand over the 100 bucks, and then they would tend to go. You know, the evidence suggested if they got some quick money, they wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't bash you up, etc. And And the way he looked at it, he said... I spent that $100 the first day I put it in my pocket. It's not mine anymore. Right. What I bought with it is peace of mind from, from here on in. And and I was thinking that's the same with the rainy day fund, actually. You, <laughs> that's a great anecdote, you, by the way. You do without the money. Um, you get your money into a rainy day fund, and th- that's a bit painful at the beginning. You, you know, you've got to come up with that money from somewhere. But once you've got it there... You've actually spent it, if you think of it that way, psychologically, you've spent that money on peace of mind and now you just get on with the rest of your life. Obviously, if you then have to raid that fund, you have to build it back up again. But if you think of it as something that you just... You just have to be a bit hard on yourself for Mm -hmm. a little while to build up that fund and then, from then on in, you've got a lot less stress in your life for all the years to come. Probably, hopefully, you won't need it yeah. or, or or you won't need it often. And so it's actually quite a bargain, really, <laughs> um, in terms of peace of mind, which is a huge factor in wellness. Um, May, maybe even uh, earn a bit of interest on it? Well, quite, yeah. And although these days, if it's in a month term, term deposit, you don't earn much at all. Mm. If it's... Paying down your mortgage, you're earning the equivalent of mortgage interest on it, which is low these days, but still, that's something. So, yeah, it's... Um, then, of course, you've also got to be saving enough for your retirement. We talked about that many times before, but that's also part of the kind of peace of mind and knowing that you're OK for the future. 
And you've either got to buy a house or save a lot of money. We've talked about that as well. Buy a house at some point or save extra money to cover your rent right through until when you die. So most New Zealanders want to get to retirement with a house or, and ideally the mortgage paid off, or you've um, saved heaps. And there's nothing wrong with that as an alternative. Just saved enough to cover your rent for the rest of your life. Because New Zealand super, quite a lot of people live on New Zealand super only, but that's really hard if they've also got to cover rent or a mortgage. If, if they've got the house taken care of, it's not so bad. Yeah, you're saying um, that it's it's not absolutely necessary to own right. your house, but yep. you do have to have a plan. Yeah, mm. yeah. Something and, and, and if you've decided 20 years out that you'll never own a house, that's fine yes. too. You just yes. save the money that you would have spent on the mortgage. We've done plenty yep. of sessions on that. And, yes, we uh, have. Yeah. So and I think you have retirement. Lump, lump sum, yeah. yeah, with you know a couple of hundred thousand more than you otherwise would have to to cover your rent. Yeah. So will uh, one of the questions I was asked is will our health improve if we achieve economic stability? And look, I'm not a medical person, but it seems obvious it, it, your mental health will, without a doubt, if you're you know, not stressed about money and you're not lying awake at night and therefore not sleeping well mm. because of the um, because you're worried about money, then that will obviously affect your health. And then you get into issues like health insurance. Um, is health insurance necessary? Um, and, you know, I've got quite a few friends. As people get older, the health insurance bills go up like you wouldn't believe at your age, um, they, they go up really fast mm. and they're a big chunk out of people's money by the time they get to, to mid-60s and, and, and it gets worse and worse. And I know quite a few people who have said, look, I don't really need health insurance because the government steps in and covers us pretty well and we've got the same specialists working for free medical care as well as paid medical care. Um, but I also know a few people who have had bad knees and bad and bad hips in particular. That's a classic example of of a situation where if you've got the health insurance, you can get a new artificial knee or, or hip quite fast. If you haven't, you tend to have to wait until you're really crippled. Mm. And there's no way that people are well or happy when they, they can't mm. walk around the supermarket because their knees are too sore, you know. So personally, I think it's good to keep enough health insurance to cover surgery and, and stuff like that, um, if you possibly can, although, you know, it does cost a lot of money. I know that. It's, Toby, on this yeah. connection between inequality and health, is emailed, he says, uh, just a quick comment, uh, I think to compare New Zealand to the US might be a little convenient as it's one of the worst countries in the developed world in that field. Yes. As soon as you compare New Zealand to other countries, though, things begin to look a bit bleaker. Let's not forget that the country has illnesses like rheumatic fever, which are classic poverty-related illnesses and which have been eradicated even in most of the underdeveloped countries. That's interesting. Thanks. Really good point. The, the rheumatic fever thing is apparently quite shameful that we have it to the degree we do in New Zealand mm. and and... Look, he's absolutely right. It, it's it's so it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. It's just that I think we are lucky that um, you know people who are reasonably well off tend not to, their health doesn't tend to be suffering. 
I mean, if you're, if you're sleeping in the streets and that, well, you know, obviously mm. your health's going to suffer from that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, the Another sort of aspect of it all is exercise, of course, and which is part of health, without a doubt. And, you, you know, you can spend a heck of a lot on on exercise, you know, if your if your sport of choice is say skiing, mm-hmm. um, which I do a bit of sometimes, and that's when you go onto the mountain, it's like you're spending a foreign currency. <laughs> you know, it really is. It's just even even the food, you know, very mediocre food in the cafes <laughs> costs a lot. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. and the ski, the lift tickets, and that, you know, <laughs> uh, um, but. It doesn't cost that much to buy a pair of okay walking shoes and get out there and, and walk or run or a pair of togs or um, and do and do some swimming and you know the the there are some gyms and some pools and that that are not very expensive so yeah um, relatively speaking it, you know we don't do too badly um, do, is the, have you got another um, I want to cover the National Party KiwiSaver policy. Um, any sort of conclusions on uh, health and wellness? Yeah, then? that's the, oh, the, the on the health and wellness. I, th- I would say that it amounts to um, spending within your limits, covering yourself when bad stuff happens, getting the KiwiSaver fund looking good. Um, so setting things up so that bad stuff in the future is not going to really knock you back. Um, are the main tips on that. On the National Party policy, though, that that's quite interesting. Oh, yeah, let's get on to that. And I'll just yes. um, tell you that um, Mary has written about this topic, um, economic wellness, on the RNZ website. Uh, if you want to look it up, it's easy to find, and it's also the subject of uh, a podcast, uh, and you can find that on the RNZ site as well. I've got the name. Uh, the Pursuit of Wellness is the name of the podcast. Yes, so the National Party is proposing a business start program that would allow people who lose their jobs to take $20,000 from their KiwiSaver accounts and receive another $10,000 in tax credits to get their own small business off the ground. It's been covered uh, in Morning Report today. There's a bit of commentary on it. And when I heard about it, I thought, oh, I must ask Mary. We'll see what she thinks. Yeah, and I've got mixed feelings about it, to be honest. I mean, I think they've thought it through quite well. For example, at the very beginning, you can get a voucher to spend $1,000 on getting advice from either an accountant or a financial advisor about whether your business idea is a goer, you know, and... I think that's smart because we don't want all and sundry just taking money out of KiwiSaver for really silly ideas. Yeah. Um, and there's also some free mentoring in there. So they're not just sort of saying to people, grab some money out of your KiwiSaver, throw it at something and hope it works. Yeah, because um, yeah, you don't want people getting too excited by... Uh you know, pyramid scheme or the guy yeah. this morning, uh, what was his name, Max Whitehead, talking about, um, you know, this sort of miracle cancer cure and stuff like that. Indeed. Becoming a franchisee for some hoax. God, yes. Yes, yeah, there's, some, there's some horrible ideas out there for, for getting a business going. Um, the uh, Overall, I'd say I don't like the idea, but... Um, I can see where, they, where they're coming from. Uh, Labor has apparently come back and said, look, you can already get a grant of up to $10,000 on something called the Self-Employed Startup Payment Scheme, and that's for beneficiaries. So they can get money, up to $10,000, from the government to cover the expenses of starting up a business. So it's already there, although I hadn't ever heard of that, I mm-hmm. must say. But um, 
there, there is some provision for that. What and, about this um, idea, though, of using the money you've saved for KiwiSaver yeah. to, uh, in theory, build a, a business that might grow and become an even better bet for your future? Yeah, look, it might. That it's just... Even when they made provisions that you could get money out of KiwiSaver for a first home, um, lots of people were were very unhappy about that. They said, no, look, this is just a retirement savings scheme. Mm. And we've got it. Once we start messing around with it too much, people are just not going to get to retirement with, mm. with much money. I think with the first home, it's okay because, as I was saying 10 minutes ago, um, most people want to get to retirement with a home and some savings. Mm. And so taking some money out of the retirement scheme to, to get going into the home market is consistent with that, really. Um, but starting up a business is much, much riskier than putting some money into a first home. You know, for most people, that ends up being, vast majority of the time, economically quite a wise thing to mm. do. Um, business startups... The, every now and then you see the data on what the percentage of them that succeed, and it's low. Low, it's um, you know, way, way less than half of. It's something like only twenty percent or something mm. like that of, of first of of new businesses, really go well. National um, is suggesting that people you know test it first with an accountant or an advisor and get some mentoring and that, and that will all help. But it is quite risky. So the idea that people are going to take a chunk out of their KiwiSaver and and lose it, you know, quite often is... And one of the KiwiSaver, one of the new KiwiSaver providers called Kura, actually, he made it, the guy who runs that made a good point, that if someone at 40 years old is taking 20000 out, that might amount to about sixty-five or 70000 less at retirement because that money's come out and so it's not in there okay. earning compounding returns in the meantime. So, I mean, in the end, I prefer the idea that the Commission for Financial Capability has put before the government, which is where you have this little sidecar for rainy day money extra to, to KiwiSaver. So instead of putting 3% in KiwiSaver, the idea would be people would put 4% in, mm. and that 1% would go to build up a little side savings account up to $3,000. And once it gets to $3,000, then the extra money can just go into their KiwiSaver fund. And the idea of this was that everyone would be opted into it and you could pull out if you wanted to, but if you didn't pull out, you'd have that little... $3,000 building up. And and I think we could say people could build it up to 10000 or 20000 if they want to. I mean, as long as it's money that wasn't before going into KiwiSaver, so you're still putting a 3% in KiwiSaver, you're putting an extra 1% into developing this little mm. side account that you could use to Let's do extra saving rather than find new ways to spend the yeah. one form of saving yes. that we've sort of got the hang of. Okay. So overall, I think... No, but I, I think there's something to be said for their idea, and I don't. I think people who are just saying that's ridiculous are not fair. That's not fair. Okay. Hey, thank you so much for coming. It's a pleasure, Jesse. Mary Holm, uh, who has covered all sorts of topics in this slot over the years, she's a personal finance expert, and uh, if you've got a particular uh, issue that you're thinking about when it comes to your money at the moment, if you search our website uh, or, in fact, Mary's website, you'll find previous columns and interviews with her and hopefully you can find the answers to your questions.